Welcome to the Unsuccess Podcast, a podcast where we talk about faith and ministry here in Portland, Oregon. I'm David Libby. And I'm Josh. And, and David, I didn't interrupt you again. That's true. That's, that's impressive. I'm going that's for good. that, man. <laughs> so our guest uh, today is Justin McRoberts, uh, who, was, who was here a while back, but um, yes. has a new book coming out, and we're thrilled that you are joining us today. So thanks for being here. Absolutely. Happy to. Thrilled to. It was great. I, I liked our first visit, and I'm glad to come back. Yeah. yeah you, you're, one, you're one of our favorites, dude. Yeah. Also, you, were, you are only one of two who um, found us and was like, hey, can I, can yeah. I be on your show, too? Which yeah. makes us feel really good, because we honestly think we have, like, zero listeners. And so it's really cool <laughs> when we have, like, someone who n- notices us. That was neat. Um, there you were doing stuff. Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing stuff, and and you noticed the stuff, so that was that was really cool for us. Um, I became really interested in your book when you first started talking about it back in like January earlier this year. You you mm-hmm. announced your book, you showed the title, and you you kind of spoke a little bit about it, and and mm-hmm. I just I wanted to bring you back because I'm I'm really intrigued by it. I'm I'm fascinated by this idea your book yes. is called it is what you make of it yes what is what you make of what <laughs> um anything um at the root of the book philosophically is that uh to live a human life and the living of a human life and then the experience of a human life pretty much nothing with perhaps very very rare tragic and traumatic exception, nothing simply is what it is. Everything Mm. is a matter of will and of power and of choice, uh, of conscience and creativity, Um, that where there are limitations, they are not limitations because a thing is immovable. Uh, There are limitations because I am not able to move it, um, which is not the same. It's not the difference between saying like something is not movable versus something versus me saying like I'm not capable. That's a different thing. So the, at the root of it is this notion that my agency, our agency as persons, um, actually does drive the ship. Hmm. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, that's so good. Oh. Um, and we'll dig into that. Uh, yeah. But first, as a little aside, when you wrote a book um, – writing in the face of this idea that it is what it is. Did you expect our former president to famously go on an interview and say it is what it is in uh, reference to um, 500,000 people dying of the coronavirus? I did not see that coming. I don't know exactly <laughs> who did. Um, but, uh, but that's exactly the kind of thing I'm after is like, no, it's not. And not in, you know, whether it's whether it's like this the statistic at the time or the setup for the tragedy um to some degree in there it's all a matter of will and what you do with the moment you're in but no i didn't see him going i mean who who saw well we should have at, at some well in in some way the particulars no I, I think at some point at some point really early on in the in, in the in the campaign his campaign a number of i'll just say us <laughs> a number of us said that's going to be bad hmm. like not like i'm not going to agree with the politics but like no that'll be bad hmm. and um <laughs> it's going to be bad for america it's going to be bad really specifically for evangelical christianity 
Yeah, um, yeah, it was. Um, so, it was. So, um, but I don't think anyone saw the particulars coming. Yeah, so you, I feel like, are are just such a good person to be writing on this because I feel like um, if if I were to describe Justin McRoberts when I first found you, um, long before you ever were like connected with us or ever before we talked to you, you were just writing these little prayers and I'd been following them and you still continue to write these little um, prayers or sort of benedictions uh, for yourself on, on Instagram. And they, they, you still are writing them regularly, but the, the more I looked into you, who is this guy? Hmm. Um, You, you do music, you coach uh, writing, you coach pastors, you, um, you are a writer, you, you have your hands in a lot of things and um, normally with people, we like to pinpoint them in, in sort of one avenue. Yeah. And so um, having not read the book, because it's not out yet, I have my pre-order in, but it's not, it, there, there is no book as of yet. <laughs> not yet, um, coming. <laughs> um, do, like, are you writing sort of, to inspire people to maybe look a little bit outside their lane? Yeah. Part of what I like, so I would say when you're talking about the, the, the list of things I've planted churches, I've pastored a church. I was on staff with a parachurch organization. Um, I have, I coach, like you said, I coach artists and ministers. I coach entrepreneurs and, and, and small business persons. I run a podcast. I write books. I've played some music. Um, I got, I got to do a bunch of different stuff. I would say that the thing I do in all of it is as an, I'm an artist, Seth Godin suggests that art is anything you create or do that facilitates a connection between people, which makes the pastoral role an artist role. Cause all what it's about is, is forging a connection between persons, which isn't to say you have to be, you know, a painter in order to be a pastor. But if the, if the job is to forge a connection between people within the community or between people in the divine or between people in themselves, then the pastor's role is an artist's role. Uh, so I would say the thing that runs through all of what I do is that I'm, I'm an artist. Is I, I'm trying to forge connections between, between people and themselves, between people and other people and between people and God. And part of, part of the, the attempt of the book is to look back over the last 24 years hmm. Uh, of my vocational work and then a little further back from that into like some of the seeds of this and trace the thing in me that uh, accounts for my my desire and my capacity to do all those things because it's not just a matter of like well i'm just really freaking talented that's not really what it is because they're way it's that part of more it talented. but <laughs> uh well yes and no i mean like i can't do things i'm not talented in but i know i like I'm, I'm not going to name names right now, but like right off the top of my head, I can think of three people I know right now who are singer songwriters who are right about my exact same age place in life who have, you know, Erica two, like two kids, whatever, like same place in life. And they're not making music right now. Mm. They're better than I am by mm. far. They're better songwriters. They're more talented. They spend more time doing it. They're just not doing it. They're not making art right now. Um, and I don't think that's because they're less talented. Mm, there is yeah. a difference, though. 
and, and not necessarily between me and them, but between our experience and our angle. And I wanted to trace that because like when crap didn't work for me, I didn't quit. And it's not just because I'm stronger uh, or whatever. Like, what was that? Yeah. And what is that about? So this is me retracing, like, what is this, what is this thing in me? And it really is this notion that when I'm handed circumstances, whether they're my talents or my strengths, or it's like the pieces of some freaking thing that I've actually like really done wrong, or like I've blown it. The question on the, the question in light of either like my strengths and my talents or like the, the devastations that I've wrought with my in, incapacities and foolishness, the question in light of either one of those is okay, so what are you gonna do with that now? Mm. And that's that's actually marked the whole of my career as an artist, whether that's been in church planting or church pastoring or coaching or podcasting or writing books, what do I do with what I have on hand? has marked the entire thing. So I, tr I follow that thread through the course of the last 20 plus years and tell some stories about it. Mm. Justin, something I'm curious about is this connection between um, uh, between like individualism versus communal. So how, yeah. how do you kind of, with this idea of it, it is what we make it, at what level is that individual and what level is communal and how do you see that? Well, it's a great call. I, great question. I um I still get to work that out over the course of time. I, I know that it's all tied in together, and, and and that some of that's an assumption, and some of that's romanticism. I know that. But one, identi I identify my strengths, and my gifts, and my talents, um, in the context of community. In other words, like I don't, I don't in an isolated like spot. Like I don't live like I don't live in a vacuum. I'm going to say all kinds of crap that I want to take back. Like I don't live in a space where like I I just self-examine. I actually almost never get to just self-examine. Who I am and who I understand myself as a talented person or a not talented person, what my strengths and gifts are. I learned that either because I'm told that folks will say like with early it's like mom, dad, uncle, whatever like, "Hey, you're really good at X or Y or Z or I like watching you play this way." Later I learned that by trying things and people liking them. So like my dad, my dad really thought I was, he thought I was talented in sports stuff. Uh, and so I would do that because I liked his attention and I liked his, uh, I liked his favor. I liked that my dad wanted to play baseball and football with me. So I like would try harder. So I learned that I learned that I had, and I'm like a great player or whatever, but like I could play football and I could play baseball because someone else said, Hey, I, I see this in you. Let's do that. Okay, great. Then later in high school and beyond, like it was like, I would do things on my own. It was theater and it was public speaking stuff. And I was like, oh, people like when I do this and this is how I'm going to get their attention. And then as time goes on, as I become more of an adult, more of an adult, I learn my limitations in my gifts and the strengths and strengths because I do things wrong. Uh, people ask things of me. People like, hey, we would rather have you do this. In other words, like, hey, Justin, you talk too much. Um, and I would like you to give more, uh, more room to, to my feelings in this relationship. And that's why I'm breaking up with you. I mean, David and I get that all the time. So yes, ma'am. I know. I know. It's true. Yeah. We've, we've yeah. been married, uh, quite a long time to our wives, but we still, um, they're like, Hey, shh. Yeah. <laughs> stop it. Zip is a bay. Um, so I don't get to know myself and my gifts, my talents, and my strengths outside of the context of other people. It, mm. it, is, is it, a it is a necessarily communal practice to understand myself creatively, vocationally. I don't figure that out and then try. Mm. I actually learn that in relationship to other people, either that I'm told that or I try and I fail and I learn. Oh, dude, that's so, so good. 
Um, I'm going to bring up, um, I don't know how um, private coaching calls are, but you know what? Screw it. It's I, your call, bro. I, you can talk I, I paid you, so it's <laughs> like I feel like I have uh, leeway to do this. Um, you you do coaching for um, artists and whatnot, and I, like I've, I've had this idea brewing of what I still think is probably going to be a book in some uh, at some time, but... Um, I was, I was kind of pitching what I, what I had this, like, that's sort of like eating away at me inside. And you, you said to me, and it's something I'm still, um, I've been dipping my toe in the water a little bit on doing. Um, but you said the best thing you can do is to not try and write it all and then put it out there. You said, put it out there. Like, like Mm. as you as you are writing pieces, put it out there because the, first of all, the best thing that you're going to, the, the best result you're going to get out of it is worked through among people, which is kind of what you were just saying, but also because like, um, your, your voice like is, um, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but like, um, what it is to be human is to connect, like to bring connection with other people and to do it in real time with people. And so what, what you're saying there um, just before now kind of reminds me of what you said on the coaching call. And it makes me think so many of us have this idea for this thing we want to do, but like we want to be qualified before we put it in front of people. Yes. And I feel like, what you're saying is no, just put it in front of people and like yes. the growth will come because of that. Yes. And, and that happens for, and I think that way for a few reasons. One is, um, this is harsh, but true is, is that in reality, um, most of us aren't smart enough and talented enough, mm-hmm. especially early on to know what's going to work for other people. So like, if I had this idea, let's just, I mean, in the context of your podcast, I mean, part of what, <laughs> this will be too elaborate and I'll try my best not to make it. It's like part of why we do church the way we do church with like a Sunday gathering with a certain order. It's because other people have done it and we know it works. That's all. Like it wasn't handed down from on high for God's sake. Like mm-hmm. other people did this thing and we're like, oh, so that works. And the only no way, the reason you know that works ish is because other people did it. So it was tried, and now we believe that it is true. I think that works most of the time for most things. In other words, we, like I, I, what the reason we do church at all, the reason we do like any of it is because we do want it to work for other people. So then we look for evidence, like how do I do this in a way that works for other people? So therefore, early on in the process, if I'm doing something new to me and I really want it to work for other people, let's actually do the work of figuring out how that plays out as opposed to like inventing that in my mind, creating a little auditorium in my mind where like I decide this feels good. And then all, all the while I'm actually, my main anxiety, my real main anxiety is that I'm not going to be received by other people. Okay. Mm. Which things which takes me to the other part. The thing that keeps us from doing things is that we're scared that we won't be received by other people. That's like one of the main, if I do this and it goes poorly, they will think less of me or I won't be accepted or whatever. So then the second point is like, you have to chase that out of you. And there literally is only one way to chase that out of you, which is like by putting that in front of people and seeing, mm. 
Well, there's nothing the hell more scary than finishing the damn thing and hoping that the last nine months you put in are actually worth it. (laughs) So don't put nine months in, put nine hours in and see how it's going. You know what I mean? It's like literally put your toe in the water because you, you may be right. That might be a shark. You might be right. Uh, That might be a shark and you might die. You're right. That might be, you know, you're probably not. So put your toe in the water, see what happens. Or it might be for, you know what I'm saying? Like, so the bits and pieces thing, which takes me to the last part, is art, the practice of art, whether it's pastoral ministry or writing books or anything, is, this is probably the other line, is predominantly a practice of personal formation. So I'll do it because I want to impact other people. I'll do it because I want to put work in the world. But the thing that most, like the, the biggest actual component to art making is that the artist is transformed in the making of art. So if I do that more consciously, I don't do it in a vacuum. I don't do it in isolation. I do it by bits and pieces and I pay attention to the work I'm doing with other people. It's part of why, part, you know, part of what you and I have talked about a little bit, David, is like, when, like the way we've gone about practicing church is so destructive because I'm constantly as a pastor like on, mm. like I'm on, I, I'm on like the performance setting. I'm on dance monkey dance all the damn time. <laughs> and yeah. instead of, instead of doing the thing that we really want to be doing, which is to actually be in a place of leadership, but in communal conversation, where there's where we're sharing in risks and we're growing together. So part, like the, the reason art, uh, the, the reason pastors tend to grow and like fits starts traumas, you know, with like fits and starts and then like like traumas and burnouts and then recovery is because we're, we're not doing the, like, we're going to try this thing and have like, we're not going to experiment. We're going to, we're just going to like put, we're, we're going to go, we're going to go as big as we can with our budget, go all in on a thing, hope it works out. And then if it, if it doesn't, then there's burnout. I really like people like trying things out, setting it up instead of like, you know, you know, talk about the book, instead of finishing the book, put the little bits and pieces out, see what people think about it get the feedback, let yourself be formed in the mm. process of it. So that by the time you're done with the book, you actually are a better writer. You actually are a better communicator and you feel better about the work you put in the world. And your tribe actually feels like they've got a piece in it. Yeah. Um, so, as kind of an example of, of that, like just to keep bouncing off, I know you have something to say, Josh, um, <laughs> save it. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, uh, so, so just, <laughs> just to your, uh, to your point and, um, what, um, what you encouraged me with, um, I, I put a couple of things out already. Um, one of which just last week, I, 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 I tried to write, um, I, I went with mm-hmm. the scariest piece that I could of everything yeah. I was thinking. And I tried to write online about a little bit about my relationship to suicide and, mm-hmm. um, and it was like, first of all, not something pastors or Christians typically talk about. Um, right. So, so like that was already scary as hell. But <laughs> um, there was there was also like, um, like I I really wanted to get the words right because I didn't want it to come off as a cry for help because it right. wasn't it wasn't that. Um, but I also I also didn't want to like traumatize people with the words, um, just because like, I mean you wrote something on it just recently like people who have relationships to suicide like with people in their lives like that's that can be traumatizing anyway, yes. and and the 
the response was straight. I, I wanted to delete it like a second after posting it, but it's still there. Um, <laughs> it's still up, um, which is still hard for, still hard for me. But um, but it has been interesting to see um, who who is touched by those words and yes. who is really scared for me or yes. thinks that I need to shut the hell up or like I, I've still got some voicemails that like I know what they're about and I haven't listened to them yet because I know yeah. like I I'm just not in the space where I really want to um, yeah. have someone read me. But like yeah. I that totally. But it's if I would have just held on to this until the book came out, like I think um, I think I already have more to say that I wouldn't have said or more clarifying yes. to do that I wouldn't have done without yep. putting it out there first. And um, yeah. so that's been really interesting. Like that's not the yeah. way I would normally do it, but it's been, it, it's been an interesting process. So I love that. So Justin, I'm curious, yeah. what are some things that you have put out that have not been received and you've ditched? <laughs> On the first two or three iterations of how we um, executed our our church community like mm. the, like pro, like pro, i would say that we spent the first sean who's who's who was the uh, the senior pastor and my partner would have a way better memory of the particulars i would say that we probably spent the first five years um not super wisely um trying and then reinventing and then trying and reinventing there was a truckload of ego in it for us at the mm. time like we like we weren't like Hey, we're trying to reinvent church because we really want there to be a healthy church in America 25, 30 years from now. It was like more, we, we, we want to do this and we want to do this differently because we want people to know that we're different and cool. Um, but we would, so as much as the, the motivation was not particularly pure, um, the practice was really good because we would come up against something and for the wrong reasons, we would know it wouldn't work. It wasn't working. Um, but we would evaluate it and it wasn't, it wasn't a matter of like, this isn't working and we should fix it because, you know, all glory to God. It was like, it was more like, this isn't working. I look like an ass. Uh, so let's change it. But we probably reinvented, I would say three to four times, like five almost top to bottom within their first five years. Um, that was, that's a big one because we had other people paying attention, other people along for the ride, like in big ways. We had folks who like had left their parents' church and never left their parents and they want to be on parents' church and they wanted to be on the ride with us. And we were like, Hey, okay, we're changing this whole thing up. I'm going to do this other thing. And leadership structure is different. And they're like, oh, okay, okay. That was one. Um, I had to reinvent my, like my posture towards music. Like, so after about 2004, um, for a few reasons, music just didn't really work work. So from 99 to 2004, it was easy. Like I would, I would get invited on tours. I would go play, you know, 20, 30 shows on someone else's tour. Um, I would make that money back in merch. And then on the relationships that I built on that tour, I would go back out on my own and connect with people and make money. Um, for multiple reasons that stopped working pretty quickly. Some of it is because like the actual the consumer market just changed. Um, like people stopped buying things. And so money that I counted on getting fell off the table like real quick. Um, 
And then some of it's just like, I also changed internally and what I wanted to be doing from stage. Like it, uh, I didn't want to perform, perform. Like I really wanted to do something far more formational, like mm. actually formational in people's lives. It became, uh, it became actually internally, internally problematic that I would go somewhere and there would be laughs and giggles and a few tears. And then I would leave not really caring um, like what happened on the other side of it. Not that I didn't care at all, but I was like, I did my job. And I, like, I wanted to be more attached to the work that I was doing. So I had to, re I had to, like, I went through, as an example, we went through the calendar from the year before and like through our list of, of people that we normally visit. And we're like, here are the things that I know I don't want to be doing anymore. Like, I'm not like silly things like youth login stuff. Where it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm, not, I'm just not going to show up and play music for like junior high kids from 11 p.m. to three. Like, <laughs> not only because that gig sucks, because the gig does suck. But also it's like, like I need, I need to reinvent this. I need to not be chasing money as a musician, as a musician and mm. hoping that connection happens. I need to be chasing connection and trusting that people will value that enough to pay me to do it. Um, so that like a few times I've had, to, I've chosen to go like into that process really intentionally. That's it, man. My, um, I've I'm wrestling with this. My therapist told me recently that she says, "Like Josh, you're afraid of failing." Like ah, I've I've never I've never liked that. I've never resonated. But what you're saying, Justin, really resonates. Of like, I I have not like when I when I put something out there, there's a vulnerability there, and I want yep. I really want people to like that and um and to jump on board. It like it. I've never been afraid to try something new. Um, yep. But that, um, but I'm in the process, I guess, of like getting my, maybe my ego or actually getting my value. Like um, it's not ego. I think it's, it's like personal value from that. And so kind of journeying away from that to be able to say, Hey, yep. like my, my artistry, whatever it is that I I'm doing um, that, to disconnect my personal value from the response of people. Um, yes. To some degree, I, I guess part of, part of the deal, like, and I don't think your therapist is wrong, wrong. I like, I wouldn't, and I don't want to be in a fight with your therapist, <laughs> um, especially from a distance. <laughs> but uh, when we talk about like, you're afraid of failure, um, depending on what we, depending on what I mean by that, I'm probably only about half right. So how old are you now, Josh? 38. Yeah. And you've been doing, you've been doing like direct vocational pastoral ministry stuff for probably 15 years. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, let's give a little credit to God here. Like you're probably not the same person you were when you got started. Right. And so <clears throat> I wasn't 15 years in, I was like, I really actually do. I really actually do want the things I'm doing to make an actual impact in the lives of the people. Like I actually do love people and right. I didn't in the same way early, like in the same way, like early, I was like, I had a vision of what a pastor was supposed to be and all that kind of stuff. And like, I kind of hoped that the things I did worked mm. out, but mostly it was like, I was kind of going on like, this feels good or what I was some, like it was definitely more ego based and that's fine. That's a, that's fine. You're, you're just, you're not going to not start there. You, you are, you are going to start there. There is no way around that. If you're starting a church, 
in your in your 20s or your early 30s, there's just going to be a, lot of a truckload of ego involved and there isn't a way around it. And the only way you die to that is by doing it and dying. So then like you have done a bit of that work. And so the fear isn't just like, I'm afraid people won't like me. You're actually legitimately concerned. You fear that you might hurt or injure other people, which is a yeah. better or like not yeah, yeah. serve other people, which is a better one. Because you should be, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you're going to call yourself a pastor or run a church, like, you should be scared the hell to death of the authority that people are giving you or yeah, the authority yeah. you're claiming to have that God wants this for you. I mean, that, if that does not scare you on some level, you're not serious about it. Yeah. So that's like a good, I'm afraid of this versus like the ego thing where like, I just don't want people to like me. Well, okay. <laughs> You'll have friends anyways, you know, but yeah. But like the fear changes. It's the like it's the same experience internally, but naming it something other than that changes the posture you get to live in. You should be afraid that you could you could lead people poorly because you totally freaking can. Um, you shouldn't be super concerned about how people think of you because just trying makes you a leader, and people mm -hmm. value that. Um, get, let let's uh go like sidestep just a little bit. You um. You can you can just decline to talk about this because I don't know if it's outside the bounds of uh, your book or or what you're really thinking about. Nor mm -hmm. would you be an expert in this realm anyway. Um, but uh, Josh kind of pointed out the idea of um, uh, privilege, and let's say, like, I mean, let's say you're black in America, or you're a woman, or um, there 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 is some amount of um, outside pressure keeping you down. Yes. Is it still what you make of it or are there yes. elements where it really is what it is? And like, yes. I have no agency because shit is holding me down. Yeah. Um, you have less power. Uh, other people have had power. Um, I would start by saying that the the main the main posture I can speak into that from is from my experience as a straight white Christian male, mm. and part of what I need to name from here is it is the way it is with black culture because I have uh, because my people like me have over the course of hundreds of years made it that way. Period. Mm -hmm. I have to own that. In other words, like it isn't just like oh, it's just hard. it's not it's not a matter of like this is part of what's important for me about, about and I love this question. Part of what's important for me about this question and about this posture is when white citizenry in, in the United States of America looks at what's happening with black and brown communities that we not say like, wow, it's just so much harder to be black. No, we made it harder to be black yep. and you have to you have to own it that way you can't just say it's just harder to be black no, no no we made it harder to be black and until i recognize it that way then i recognize the black struggle in america as some sort of monolith as opposed to the product of choices and decisions and expressions of power and privilege over the course of years and years and years we made it hard to be black Owning it that way is the only what pathway into like an actual relationship, justice relationship between white communities and other communities across the board. So then looking at the leadership and expression of black sisters and brothers, 
it's not like there's no power there. There is less power there because we have rented it from them for years. But I also don't want to say as a white person that black people are therefore powerless because they're not. Hmm. Black people are powerful and the the glory of God in the, uh, in, in, in the expression of, uh, of black history in America is to watch black power not be completely trampled by the overwhelming, overwhelming oppression and injustice of white culture. The strength of black people to be at this point where they are in the United States of America has so much to do, not just with the presence and the, and the goodness of God, but of the, the character and the richness of, of black families, of black mothers, of black leadership. Like, no, it, like black culture is a beautiful expression of humanity. It is a glorious expression of the character of God. And mainly because of what black leadership has, particularly over the course of the last 200 years in America, made of what they had on hand that's really good yeah so good um yeah i appreciate you speaking into that that's um it's i i i was glad uh josh that you sent that (laughs) hand that question over to me anyway because um it's it's really easy for me personally to look at your premise justin and look at it at its face value because for me as a straight white dude, anything really is what I make of it. Like I, I, yeah, I have it, very few barriers yes. in front of and me. It, it, yeah. I've, it feels like it on the face level, it, it can come across as like, just pull yourself up by your own bootstraps kind of a thing. Right. Yes. Um, and that's not, yeah, that's not no. the heart of what you're saying. No. No, um, talk which to, is part of why, yeah. which is the, one of the earlier reviews of uh, of the book by a guy named Byron Borger, who's a, a bookseller in, in um, Dallas Town, Pennsylvania, runs Hearts and Minds Books. It's my favorite bookstore in the country. Um, part of his review was like, this is a book I would not pick up hmm. if I didn't know the author because it no screams of like, okay, one more guy being like, listen, quit your job, <laughs> do great work. Go, you know, if you want to start that company that sells, you know, uh, aluminum empty cans, uh, you know, painted faces on them, like if that's the dream in your heart, then you go do that, which is super freaking not what I'm doing with the book. He's like, I wouldn't read that book because we're just full of that stuff. And because that that stuff legit is exactly what, (laughs) like that is an expression of privilege. You get to say that crap because if you quit your job, you're still going to be okay in two in two months, because you can live with your parents, which you'll complain about. But the the kid who grew up in South Central doesn't get to have that safety net. So, uh, which the, what I'm doing with the book is exactly something different. Saying so like, no, like recognize the agency and the power that you do have, regardless of where you are, and take it into account for the way you've used that to make it harder for other people. Oh man, that's good. Um, tell us then. Uh, this is so ex- uh, so so interesting to me. Um, the you've you've you just said how your book differs from the freaking plethora of self help books that you can find every every freaking week. Like a whole slew of them comes out, and they never stop coming out. There are plenty of um, uh, do do the thing self help books. Um, did you hit? any points or if it were me, uh, 
thousand and one times uh, if I if I were writing your book where you said um, during the writing of this, what the hell am I doing? Like d- d- the world does not need this. And and how um, if you ever got that way, how do you um, how do you fight through that? No. And so the answer is no, um, I didn't, because by the time I decided to write it, I knew that I knew what I was going to do with it. And so this goes back to what we said earlier mm. with regards to like putting stuff in the world and seeing how it works for people. Most of these are stories with, I think maybe one exception, maybe not even that. Almost all of these, if not all of these are stories that I've been telling off and on for years and excuse me in some context or other like these are stories that like, i've put this in the world and one of the one of the commitments i've made to myself for the most part which is why like you mentioned the things i put on instagram i committed last year somewhere in the middle of the year i don't remember when that like I, i'm going to publish something every single day like yeah. some like hmm. the, like the internet will see something i've done every single day and part of the and part of the reason that i'm doing that is it's, it's what I tell other people to do. Put stuff in the world, see what works, and then assemble something that you know works. Like, why am I going to go take a freaking contract from some bookseller, feel the pressure on my back of, like, making up all this money? As I used to do that with music. Like, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, how the hell am I going to make up $20,000? I've never seen $20,000. <laughs> yeah. Like, handing me twenty grand to make a freaking record? Like, I'm going to, like, I'd, I'd, I'd never made $20,000 in, in the entirety of my life. You just put $20,000 in a record. That's the pressure. So instead of doing that, because the internet is a beautiful thing, uh, I get to put everything I do in the world. And so whether it's been online or otherwise, like everything I do that's going to come in book form to some degree uh, or music form, maybe less than music form, anything I'm going to do is going to be stuff that like I've done in the world already. And I know actually clicks with people because that's how I want to process All these are stories that I've told before. The one caveat to that was whether or not I was going to go with a publisher or not. Because for the for the very reason that like I just I didn't want it to be pitched as like, are you stuck in your creative life? Yeah. <laughs> like I didn't Which, like, and, and you if you go with a publisher, they can just do that, right? I imagine like unless they're yes, unless we have and and, and um I'm in a, I'm in a position because of because of I'm I'm forty eight I'll be forty eight years old in January. I've been making art professionally since I was 23 i've had a few, i've had a couple wins and i'm not great and i don't i don't kill i'm not i'm not jen hatmaker where i could i could you know like literally like jen could write anything she doesn't she's freaking fantastic but honestly like she just she's magic i'm not but i did have some wins and i knew i know how to sell things of my own so i went in and i wasn't a jerk about it but i was like listen I, this is how i'd really like this to work this is how i would like this to be postured um, I don't want this to be couched here. Is there a way to avoid that? Can, how, what can we do? And we had a conversation and towards the tail end of the conversation, it was really clear. Like they were on board with hmm. not pitching like cutesy Christian hallmarky ah, hallmark is great. Cutesy Christian, um, like self-helpy go get him book. Cause that's not what I'm trying to do. It's not the moment we're in. I think I, it was NT right this last year, one of his books, I don't know which one it was, but he was talking about it. He's like, oh, yeah, the title's stupid. <laughs> and he said, but the, but the publishers made me pick that title. So I would entitle it something else. So even the greats like him have that fight. Oh, that's funny. Yes. Oh, uh, yeah. Can you tell us uh, if 
um, if you can think of an example, you talk about you've you've put all these things on Instagram and you're trying to write something every day so that um, you can see what works and what doesn't. How do you how do you know having done this a long time? Hmm. Um, and do you know immediately like when something doesn't work? Like what when it doesn't work? Yeah. How do you how do you know? Um, some of that's a matter of numbers, just raw numbers and residents. Uh, and that doesn't, it doesn't make it just only that, excuse me. Um, like I will know, I guess it's, too, I guess it's really as simple as like, it's, it's the numbers and then the nature of, uh, individual response. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I used Depending to be really on like the amount of hand claps you get in your direct messages, that sort of thing. Things like that. And I used to be really like anti that stuff where it's just like, oh, the numbers don't matter. Yeah, they do, jackass. Hmm. Like, like, what do you mean they don't matter? That's just you being afraid yeah. like, of saying like it actually matters to you. Hmm. Do you want it? Do you want, do I want to post something that like gets shared a thousand times? Yeah. Uh, and it goes back to the conversation earlier, Josh. It's like, do I want that? Cause it, because I want to feel like the guy who posts something that gets a thousand shares. Yeah. Or do I want to put stuff in the world that people go, oh, shit, that's perfect. Yeah. Tony, come here. Check this out. This is exactly what we were talking about on Tuesday night. Like, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to be the guy who, like, when I put things in the world, yeah. folks, like, read it and think, this, 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 is the, this is what I've been looking for for two weeks. And this makes way more sense in my relationship with my mom and why things are so hard. Like, I want to do that. So if that happens a thousand times versus 200. So one of, it, one of the, my metrics is, like, my actual numbers and I'm just at a better emotional place. I have mm. a, a, a little bit more maturity in me than I used to, to say like, I, I want my numbers to mean a certain thing. And the other part, the other one has to do with like individual emotional response. Well, if I get a DM from someone or even publicly and they're like, I've never been able to put words to this. Mm. Then like that tends that, that one tends to counterbalance. Like those are the ones that are like, like yeah. my heart just blows up. Like, Thanks. so it's, it's about how it's received. That that is interesting, um, uh, and and I guess to um, counterbalance, you're you're talking about numbers, and that um, might deflate some people who are listening because um, uh, talking about thousands of people, like I think the most likes I've ever gotten on anything ever in my life is a couple of hundred, and yeah. that was that was for like the birth of my kid or something like, like the, right. the numbers, numbers differ, but yeah, just keep doing that one. Some, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, had another more. kid. <laughs> keep having kids. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, but you told me something on our, on our call a while ago, you said when you're writing, you're not writing for everyone. And in fact, don't try to write for everyone. Find the people mm. that, um, you're specifically aiming toward. Yep. And, um, and like write for them, talk to mm. them. And um, when you talk about numbers, mm. like I think um, I think the number could be three if yep. if it if it matters for those people. But um, like, well, yeah. So you know, I mean, we'll talk shop here for a second. I mean, like again, whether it's uh, you know art market stuff or church attendance stuff. Um, like your numbers are your numbers in relationship to your numbers. So if mm. you, if you're someone who has, uh, if you're someone who has like 271 followers on Instagram and something you post gets liked 175 times, mm. 
Mm. That's huge. Yeah. It's not a matter of being like, well, I mean, McRoberts said he got a thousand shares. I've gotten a thousand shares like one thing. So it's not like that's every time. But like, uh, but McRoberts says he gets this many shares. He gets 300 to 500 mm. likes every time. Mm. So I'm, I'm only getting 50 to 60. It's like, yeah, but you have 14 followers. Like yeah, you have 14 so followers. You're getting like 50 likes. Who are these people? Yeah. You should, so your numbers are your numbers in relationship to your numbers. The, as opposed yeah, to your the relative problem. context. Yeah. Know, yeah. know, know thyself. And then, and then, yes. And then secondly, um, like again, the depth of connection, like, do you know, do you know your people? Like, do you know what your numbers mean? One of the reasons I became more comfortable with my actual numbers is because I, I never, I never did, I never did the thing where like I went and bought, you know, I bought Twitter followers. I never did the thing where like I did like the fakey weird, like sign up for my whatever and I'll give you a free something like, and, and people do that and I'm not against it, but I knew, I knew then as I know now that like, I, I wouldn't know the people. Hmm. So like my, my growth organic, my growth numbers wise has been for the most part organic. And a lot of the people who like, and then share or comment or send me things are like, I recognize these names, hmm. which is part of why like, you know, I didn't know who you guys were. And I saw people who were related to me on Instagram, like who had paid attention to something you did, or and I was like, oh. And then there was a whole five on world. I'm like, oh, I know, I, I, uh, I, 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 I want to be in these guys. I kind of stalked the band for a while, so yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, so, oh man, for me, one of the things, and this comes probably predominantly with sermons, at preaching where like I'll get somebody after a sermon say, oh man, that was amazing. And then somebody else like try harder. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like same sermon, you know, like I've had people walk out of a sermon and then like that was super impactful. That same sermon was like mind blowing for others. Um, and that's man, like that will, that tends to mess me up a little bit. Um, yep. But I think it then like goes back to David, what you were saying about who, who is our audience, you know? And yes. so, um, you know, those people who are saying, you know, try better or who walk out, are those the people that we really want to connect with? Um, and sometimes and may, they might be. And they may or may not be. Right. Right. Um, I mean, because you and I both know there are cats who are like, they're preaching sermons to people. They're preaching sermons and have built church cultures for people they don't actually want to lead. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like they're the people, they're the people who will tithe or they're the people who whatever, like the people who they really want to lead. I was just having a conversation with someone who actually lives in the area about this very thing. Um, he was on staff with, a, with um, I won't name the organization, but on staff with a parachurch organization that does evangelical work. Um, and at the same time, he was like writing um, like, uh, like fiction. And these two worlds kind of like lived in parallel for a little while. And then recently, like he sort of, he's, he's, he took a job in which like, he's just doing like fiction writing for like with this company. And uh, he's on a, he's like a writing staff for, for, you know, these. And what he realizes is, is like, while he was, while he was happy doing the work he was doing with this organization, the evangelical thing. He wasn't anti, like he really did feel like, um, like once he started actually doing the fiction work, hmm. like this crowd of people that he was in touch with, like it just felt more, he just felt more resonance. And hmm. it was just, he's just writing the stories. 
and then and and he then he, he realized in his own soul like i've been doing this thing the way i was supposed to do it mm-hmm. because i'm an evangelical christian but really what i want to be doing is this thing he had to make the choice and now he's over here doing this thing at some point like it is a matter of like mm-hmm. what do you want to be doing like what's in your guts like you have the again, yeah. you have these gifts, these talents, and these passions. What do you really actually want to do with them? Yeah. Because watch me do it. Uh, when it comes to the practice of church, um, we can no longer, and this will be the prophetic moment. I did this last time I was here. Uh, this is the pro- prophetic moment. We can no longer just do the things we've been doing because they've been done this way. And we've been talking that game for 25 years. Yeah. We can't just do things because that's the way they're done. Okay. Are we done with that now? Because it broke in half and it's never coming back. So if you want to do church over the next 25 to 30 years, you sure as hell better be doing something that's actually in your bones to do because you're not going to have enough people to make it worth worth it. Uh, You won't be able to keep up. Like this thing broke. This thing broke, broke. And it's not going to get better. So if you want to be doing church work, this actually better be in your skin and the way you do it really better be like actually in your skin and in your Mm -hmm. soul because you will not last and you'll continue to pass on on health. And meanwhile, you're going to be getting your ass handed to you by the church down the road that has 10 times the budget you do and doesn't matter how the, and to them it doesn't matter how they do it it's just time like how does it actually work for you what do you really want to be doing can you do it in a way that's actually rooted in your passion and if we're not doing church that way we're just flat out wrong now yeah wow that's so good that's so good i have to chuckle i was just talking to david it like like the third or fourth time this week that it's kind of been a message similar to that but a week ago, my spiritual director, who's a Jesuit priest in a good Catholic, you know, voice said, Josh, you just need to take a season and not do anything new and just fall back on the traditions. Like, ah, uh, this tension of like, I, on some level, I think he's, there is something there for sure, you know, but, um, but what, what does that mean and look like just for me personally living in this tension, you know, of, um, of holding holding true to some of those things like scripture and, um, and, and Christ and some of those practices of the church, but definitely yeah. being willing to hold loosely and, and having to re reimagine that to rethink how we do that. You know, like we're not yes. a Catholic church. And so like, we don't have the infrastructure of the Catholic church to be able to, you know, withstand generations of upheaval, um, and it being a big, huge freight liner that slowly, you know, changes. Yes. Um, like that. Yeah. The waves are crazy and yes. we will be toppled if, yes. Yeah. If, if we try to be something we're not. Um, well, and some of those, some of those, you know, ancient ways, some of those like traditions are things that are, I think you'll never hear me say it's like don't you know everyone you know we you know teaching from the Bible doesn't work. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. Like that's not one. Of, that's not one of the things I want people to throw away. But the idea of a 90 minute, the thing, the the yeah. idea of a 90 minute church service, right, or 60 to 90 minute, like that's an idea that's worth, like at the very least examining if not right. lighting the hell on fire and never doing again in your own context because of the freaking toll it's taken yeah. on you your soul your staff your community like well and also that being like the center point of all that you do as a church like well, yeah. <laughs> that's and so like those yeah. are the kinds of things i mean it's like yeah. there is there's plenty to throw away there's plenty to throw away yeah. that we do 
because it's the way it's been done. Again, the 90 minute song, you know, uh, sermon thing with, you know, sermons and songs and announcements, like there is no, there's no like rooted divinely inspired. Like we talk about the scriptures are they're divinely inspired. Okay. That's a little different than saying like, yeah, well, you know, that second song needs to be kind of a little bit more mellow, a little more like, no, like that comes from freaking nowhere. So feel free to light it on fire. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, I, as you've been talking, I, I had this memory. Um, so, um, Rob Bell, usually, you know, every book is a home run bestseller. Um, he wrote this book called how to be here that I think like four people read. Um, it was, mm. it was, it was not like it, it wasn't a big one. Totally tanked. Um, but, yeah. but I read it and it's actually one of my favorites of his, but he, he had a, he had a thing in there that I've never really forgotten. He said, people come up to me after shows and I hear over and over and over and over when I ask people what they do, they say, oh, I'm just a mom. And, um, and he's, his point was like, no, you're a mom. Let me tell you, <laughs> like, like think about yeah. everything that entails that you yeah. do. And, um, uh, and I was just kind of thinking about mm. that as you were talking. And I feel like mm. for a lot of people who are, who would be approached by the premise of your book, um, life is what you make of it, create the thing, put it out there. Yes. How, how many people would think when you present that to them, oh, I'm, 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 just, I'm just a mom or I'm just yeah. even, even me like, okay, I'm a pastor. Okay, cool. Do the, do the thing outside of that realm anyway. Um, like how would you maybe speak to, um, someone who feels like they have their lot in life and that is their place and that is what they do. I would say something along the lines of, um, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't even planning on it. Um, uh, just about nothing is what it is. Not in a world inhabited by people created in the image of God in whose hands are both creation and resurrection. The capacity to make and remake is a thumbprint of the divine on humanity. And I'll go so far as to say that we dishonor our creator when we give into it is what it is thinking. Love doesn't just win. Mercy doesn't just triumph. Light doesn't just cast out shadow. Peace doesn't get a chance. Forgiveness doesn't just restore. And time has never healed a single wound without the loving, attentive way that people have spent that time after hurting one another. And all these essential aspects of human life require the work of human hands, hands committed to a vision of the world made right, or at least made better. The hands of someone created in the image of God, which includes the ability to be creative. See, you were born with capacity to create, and maybe you weren't told that at home while growing up or in school or in the training you did for your job. But if your teachers or trainers or your neighbors drew a line between who you are and what you do, whatever it is, they were wrong. Maybe you were told that you were just a teacher or just a parent or just a coach, or that you just led your team at the office, or that you just play your part on that team. I'd like to help you see how limited that view of who you are is, and I would like to show you that you are capable of not just more, but eternally more, and how important it is that you embrace that. Oh my gosh. Gotcha. Dude. Oh, so good. So, so, so good. Man. Um, 
Well, that's that's a that's a taste. That's a tease, yeah. listeners of this book. It is what you make of it, um, which got has a beautiful cactus on the cover. I don't know if that will be explained in the book. Um, if, it's the first chapter. Is it okay? Um, yeah. When is that coming out, and how can people get their hands on it? Uh, available for pre-order now, and then it comes out on June first, and will be available for all of eternity. Wonderful. Oh, so great. Um, we'll be sure to, um, not, not for followers cause we never get any new followers from doing a giveaway, but we'll, uh, we'll certainly have a giveaway for your book. Um, and I'll, I'll admit the first time I did it, I was like, this is going to get us some people and we have done giveaway after giveaway and have never gotten one single, um, follower from a giveaway <laughs> ever, but, but people, <laughs> those, that's not a thing. I don't, I don't know if some people get more followers because of giveaways. We, I don't think so. We've never found it to be true, but there are people so. who are getting um, good, important uh, resources that they um, make it about that that they they wouldn't normally get themselves. And I feel like this is a this is a really important one to have in the world. So yeah. um, we'll good. we'll be giving one away, and we'll be sure to get this up um, as the book launches. So. Um, Thank you for writing and thank you for staying connected. Um, My pleasure. Happy to. Thanks for being in it. I will say, um, you're. And I will, I will, I'm coming up there and we'll, we'll work out a thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm headed up there. Coming up there, talking to a couple of people about doing a thing um, with the book and kind of this um, evening hangout show conversation storytelling bit. So we'll, cool. I'll be in touch for sure. Rad. That'll be so yeah. cool. Um, yeah. We, I will say our office has been playing your most recent. Um, album so much josh got obsessed with it after our last conversation so thank you yeah yeah really, really a lot really i appreciate great. that sincerely well uh justin mcroberts um guys thanks. thank you so much for being here and um for the unsuccess podcast i'm david i'm the other guy and we'll see you next time Bye. Bye.